we're the driver in the front seat of our car, which is our life. And we really have to keep being persistent at figuring out like, am I happy at the speed I'm going at the destination I'm going, who is in the car with me? Or do I need to just reevaluate all of that situation? Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 163 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, I am so, so excited to bring you a conversation that has been years in the making with my friend, model and body positivity advocate, Iskra Lawrence. Iskra Lawrence is a household name in the modeling industry. She got into it at 13 in England where she grew up and for years struggled with being told that she wasn't quote unquote small enough to land jobs. At 21, after years of crash dieting and exercising, she finally heard about plus size modeling for the first time, which seemed like it could be the perfect fit. That is until she was turned away time and time again because she was now quote unquote not big enough. Iskra decided to stop basing how she felt about herself and her body based on others' opinions, and it was then that she found Aerie. Now one of their Aerie Real role models, she has made herself a career championing self-love and challenging the modeling industry to include women of diverse shapes, sizes, and abilities. In today's episode, we talk all about the journey, the hardships, and the hurdles that she's faced along the way, especially throughout the COVID pandemic and with the launch of her new brand. We also talk about life as a new mom, and she offers up her best advice for anyone struggling with body acceptance. So excited for this conversation. We talk about it in today's episode, but honestly, this was years and years in the making. I met Iskra when I was working at Self Magazine as the fitness editor. She was the last person we had on the cover before the magazine folded and the shoot with her was super fun. Her attitude, her energy is just excellent. And I'm so grateful for her time and to be able to bring that liveliness and her awesomeness to the feed. Make sure you're following along with the show over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over also at Emily Abadi. I also want to give a shout out to Samantha Gash. She was a guest on the show last week, and she also, over the weekend, led the charge on Relief Run, a majorly, majorly successful fundraiser to help those affected by the coronavirus pandemic in India. Sam, you are absolutely unbelievable. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly, highly recommend that you make some time for it. And that's it for now. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Iskra Lawrence. She is a model. She is a relatively new mother. How are you doing today? I'm great. Yes, relatively. It's been 13 months now. Um, It still feels new. (laughs) And life, I think for most of us, feels new after this crazy year. So yeah, navigating the newness has been challenging, but definitely really fun. And who knew 
like the things that we would learn over this last year and where we would end up and the relationships that we may have kind of become distant from or grown into. And yeah, there's some beautiful things that have grown out of the, the challenges. I love that growth mindset, that positive perspective, because I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people at times during, you know, the chaos and the difficulties that arose over the last 13, 14, 15 months have struggled to find, you know, that bright light in all of this. Definitely. And me too. Um, there's no guaranteed way to wake up every day and have a positive mindset. It's something that you have to figure out what works for you and you have to try and choose it with intention. And you have to surround yourself if possible, because I know a lot of people have been isolated with a tribe um, or with a partner, with someone who can kind of pick you up when you need that help. And that's one thing I've really worked really hard on it within my relationship with my partner, Philip, is allowing him to know that some things that I might be struggling with and dealing with, maybe I don't communicate in the the best, most positive way, but sometimes that just means that I need him to either dig a little bit deeper or to kind of reach out his hand or just be supportive. Because one thing that we've definitely learned is, do you want solution or do you want comfort? In times of need, when maybe I'm complaining about something or moaning or, or feeling in a negative space, is it actually a you want or do you just want comfort so kind of being able to always ask that when we are having those moments has been good because you're spending a lot of time with someone and we weren't used to that as a couple we used to travel a lot and we used to have these very romantic kind of let's meet up in Miami for the weekend and like all the and now it's like no you live in a house with a newborn baby and you are together 24 7 so let's figure it out (laughs) so figure it out I love that I love that well I certainly have missed, you know, the same kind of stuff, the flying around, the doing all the things. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. starting to seep a little bit back into my life, really starting in June and Wiki's work is picking back up. But for you, what do you foresee kind of the nearer future being like for you picking back up or still kind of keeping it home and laying low with your fam? Right. So what was weird is, and I've never told anyone this story, is when I was 16, um, I met a psychic and I, I don't know why I asked her this question, but I remember asking her this weird question. And at the time I was obsessed with wanting to become a successful model. And I asked her, what would prevent me from uh, continuing in my modeling career? It was some kind of weird question like that. So I, I, I essentially wanted to know what would be my like um, finished point or like what would be my you can't go any further or, or something, just kind of like an obstacle. Or And it was, and I picked out this card and it was children. It was like a card with, that said children. And she said, oh, that could mean multiple, a multitude of things. It could mean that like when you have a child, you'll have a career shift. It could mean that you are, maybe you have an immature mindset, which might prevent you from going further in a career. And she explained all these different things, but I definitely know that you become a new person when you, become a a parent and it's just shifted and realigned and reprioritized everything in my life I definitely am really really grateful that I took the leap and left kind of the east coast and moved to Austin because it slowed everything down and um, I just kind of realized I looked around and I was like wow I really haven't invested in family or really kind of long-term friendships or just long-term projects almost because I was so just 
in it with the career stuff on the day to day that I just hadn't invested in a lot of other areas of my life, even my well-being. Um, I think my mental health was okay, but it's definitely now like more of my priority. I feel like I'm more open and in tune with myself and understanding and knowing what I need and not feeling alone and just kind of like, just put your head down and focus. You've got stuff to do. Like, yes, I have stuff to do now, but how are you feeling? Like really, how are you feeling physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and knowing that there's an abundance of time? Because I think that that's one thing I found pre-pandemic living in a crazy busy city. I'm sure like, you know, the energy is contagious in in the most wonderful way, in the sense that you're part of a community that's hungry and fueled and wants to kind of drive forward. But it also sometimes means that you don't get to just push the brakes and escape that and find that peace and calm. And that was hard for me. And I needed to move out of that environment to kind of find that peace and find that just like being able to sit with myself and just be. So I'm like finding that now. And the balance isn't perfect. That's for sure. There are times when I find myself getting frustrated because I'm like, but I haven't been productive. But I'm also like, isn't that nice that I just didn't really look at my phone today at all? you know, and I brought value into my partner's life and my baby's life, or I really enjoyed going and picking strawberries with friends. And I was able to be completely present and not worry about anything else. And that's like beautiful new things in life that I'm able to enjoy now. So yeah, I can't even remember where we started with this question. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, I hear you. I hear you enjoying the little things, prioritizing, reprioritizing. I know, I mean, you've been in the modeling industry for over 17 years now. So you've been working very hard for a really long time. Now, before I bring you back to some of those beginnings and we talk about how Mm -hmm. you even got started, I have a confession for you, which is that, and you know this, we have been, I feel like (laughs) trying to make this happen for the longest time. And it was one of those things that I think when I look at like the email chain, I don't know, maybe over two years. And it was a really good example for me of that idea that when you want something, and in this case, like a conversation, Mm -hmm. that you have to revisit it and you have to make an ask and you have to be persistent. So before, again, we go back into your story, can you think about the last time that you really diligently worked at something that you were really excited about? Yes, that's a really good point. And another reason why I was trying to, push this conversation was because I had hoped that I would have launched my first brand and I had to come to the and I think I felt like initially I've let myself down in the sense that there are multiple people who I've told I've had this in the works for years one of the brands I've been working on it's coming on three years now and because I found out I was pregnant because there was a global pandemic because 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 like um there's stock lost in different factories and just there's so many like becauses of why it's taken three years and I was I'm holding off on a lot of things holding off on tons of interviews tons of press stuff because I was like I need to wait until the brand's launched and then I can talk to everyone about how exciting it is but like I just can't pin it down and I don't push against what spiritually meant isn't meant to happen right now um and I just have to kind of be at peace with that so that's definitely one thing I've learned from this experience. And I'm so grateful that you were persistent because I just got to the point where I was like, well, I do want to have a conversation with her. And it doesn't matter that that's not something that I'd hoped was going to happen. It it can happen in the future and that's going to be fine. Um, So yeah, I would say what I've been persistent with is 
not only working on these things behind the scenes, when to maybe the outside world, it looks like I'm not busy or I really don't care what other people think. And especially with the modeling industry, if you're not on the latest cover or if you're not, you know, walking this red carpet, if you're not, I don't know, in the cool crowd or whatever it means or whatever it might be, I, I think a lot of people get worried or they think, you know, you're not relevant or they let that eat them up. And that's one thing that I've just always stayed true to is like, I'm really happy that I stepped back and I'm really happy that I was able to not listen to all the other people around me. Because one thing that happens when you are the quote talent is that a lot of people around you are supported by your income or your drive to do more. And so a lot of people will push you to the point where I've, I've seen many very, very talented people, singers, actresses go to a breaking point because their team was kind of pushing them, pushing, pushing them. And they didn't realize that they actually just didn't, they were quite happy where they were and they didn't need more. So being able to enjoy the success of where you got to and kind of being like, Hey guys, like, can I just sit here and enjoy it instead of trying to just continue to scrapple and climb and, and beat everyone else to the finish. Like I'm good on this journey that I'm at. So I think that persistence for me has just been, where am I at? Where do I want to be? Oh, I'm good right here. Let me just coast. And that's okay to coast for a little while. And um, as women, you know, we're always taught that we have to work harder than men to get where they are, to get to their level. And I remember having a conversation with a fellow model when I said, and this is five years ago now, I said to her, I can't wait to have children one day. I hope it's something I'm able to physically do. I would love to be able to take a bunch of time off. And she immediately attacked me and went into kind of like defensive feminism mode of like, how how dare would you give up your career? Like you've worked so hard for this and like, you're just getting to your peak. Why would you do that? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. All of that is your opinion. You know, that's something society has maybe told you that we shouldn't do. And I just never follow the shouldn'ts. And I just really think that we're, we're the driver in the front seat of our car, which is our life. And we really have to keep being persistent at figuring out, like, am I happy at the speed I'm going, at the destination I'm going? Who is in the car with me? Or do I need to just reevaluate all of that situation? That's something that I've been very, I've, I've listened to other people a lot around me, but I always try and listen to my own kind of gut instinct. Super smart. And on the note of, you know, launching your own products, launching your own line, it's, it's something that you articulated so well in this learnings and this takeaway mm. is like sometimes you envision things to be a certain way, but if it's not going that way, then getting caught up in details or things that you literally have no control over anymore, exactly. it doesn't serve you. So you're really walking away from that experience with an understanding, a really important lesson, and that helps you get to the next place that you want to go. Right. If you listen to any successful, and again, we're talking about society's idea of success, maybe, you know, Whitney, you know, uh, or maybe we're talking about someone who is the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. They will always tell you that they've had 50 failures before they got that one thing right. Um, and, you know, I've definitely come head to head with many failures and had a bunch of mistakes in my career or maybe who I've partnered with or things that I've launched that just haven't turned out the way I'd envisioned. And to think that, oh, well, that's just, you know, I shouldn't try again or, 
you know, it's not worth it or I'm not reinvesting my energy, time or money because it hasn't worked out in the past. Like you just have to keep on going. And, you know, I feel really good about where I'm going now because it's 100% owned by myself and funded by myself for the things I'm working on for the first time. I haven't relied on, you know, other people with the money or other people with kind of the backing or whatever it might be. I've really just kept it small and kept it in my controlled environment within my kind of own people and family and friends. And that feels really, really good. It feels really empowering, I'm sure. Yeah, it does. It does. And I've had to just learn a lot more instead of, you know, in my industry, there's like a lot of licensing deals that happen where, and I've, I've been offered a lot of licensing deals. Do you want to do, I don't know, this nail polish or this bra or this da, 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 and you can just stick your name on it essentially. And we do all the work and you take 20%. And those deals are always very intriguing and very exciting for agents and, and people in the industry who also want to just sit back and make easy money. But they've just never appealed to me because I have such a drive and purpose behind everything I do in the sense that I didn't come into this industry by accident. And I didn't make it by accident. I had to force doors open and I had to shift mindsets and change things to allow myself the space to even exist in the industry. So if I'm going to come out with a product or a brand, you better know that it's going to have to be different and unique and game changing and not just something that anyone else could stick their name on. So that's why it's taken three years because I didn't know how to manufacture or how to find factories that use sustainable practices and looked after their employees or I didn't understand distribution channels or online marketing and and all of these things or even finding the right team members that complement my skill set but also have specialties that I don't have so yeah just a lot of learning which is wonderful I mean I think if we're not learning we're not moving forward Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. And it's exciting to hear that you're finally making some big progress on something that means so, so much to you. You referenced Mm -hmm. in here that your journey certainly hasn't been easy, that you have had to work your butt off to get to where you are. When you were growing up, did you know that you wanted to go into modeling? So I was always obsessed with fashion and dressing up and I dress up in my mom's heels, even when I was still wearing diapers put on a red lipstick um loved playing dress up and um then I just remember loving magazines and loving the art behind fashion and how you could just create this beautiful kind of lifestyle or, or ethereal feel and I was really into Gemma Ward as a model then I got very into America's Next Top Model and all those shows and just like posing and I love to dance so I felt like moving my body was also very artistic and yeah it's just a combination of like my love of art and my love of a love of movement and my love of creation and even kind of my love of acting in a way and having those different emotions and playing different roles and then also traveling and meeting different people so for me it really felt like my ideal industry and and I really enjoyed learning how to move my body and work with people as an only child I hadn't really gotten to work as a team environment I guess I love playing sports to get that kind of team feeling um so I think that that's what I really like being on set and it being a team and meeting new people and getting to know different personalities and then all working together to create like a final image so yeah I guess I did know at a young age that's what I wanted but then when I got into the industry obviously I saw the the darker side to it and was exposed to things that 
I, I didn't know because I've been watching America's Next Top Model and it all seemed fun. And yeah, there was a few tears when the hair got cut, but you know, you really didn't know that people were being bullied and people were being harassed and people were, you know, just being broken by body image issues. Needs and disorders were rife. And so that definitely made it seem dangerous and scary, but almost more intriguing in a way. Weirdly, now I think gotten more into the psychology behind humans because I've just seen so many different types of characters or different ways people have personalities or, or traits or tendencies have been brought out by certain experiences and certainly in my industry I find it fascinating hearing different people's experiences because some are so different to others like I'll do a shoot I remember doing the cover of Glamour magazine and it was really really exciting because we were all kind of curvier girls and we talked about my journey and I was kind of in tears because I was just like I don't know how I went from shooting dress up like cartoon character shreks on literally halloween costume bags like do essentially doing like the lowest of the low like people would just turn their nose up at it doing jobs like that just because i i didn't have any other opportunities and you know doing so many shoots for zero money or being with such small agencies that no one would take seriously to being on the cover of glamour magazine you know 15 years later and also being told that my career would if you haven't made it by like 20 your career's over so being kind of in my late 20s and then being on the cover of glamour it was just it was a lot it was a lot to take in I never imagined that I would be able to just be accepted and like acknowledged like yeah you're good enough to be on the cover of glamour magazine whereas another model on the shoot you know, she'd been scouted in the underground in New York a year and a half ago and was signed by the biggest agency in the world. And, you know, the next week she's shooting a, a top designer brand. And so that, that the two experiences could not be more polar opposite. And so my kind of scars and issues and trauma from those 15 years, and it took me 10 years before I honestly really made a penny. It took me 10 years before I could get signed by a reputable agency. And so I think that's made me so grateful and really be appreciative of even the smallest opportunity that someone gives me. And I know along the way, you struggled a lot with as many women that I've spoken with on the show that are in this industry with mm -hmm. size, with being made to feel like one size is good versus one size is bad and you questioning where you actually wanted to be in mm. all of this. When you reflect on your journey, do you really remember the first time that someone made you feel like you weren't okay as you were? Yeah, definitely remember it. I remember feeling an inkling when I walked into the agency that had, I'd, I'd entered L Girl Search for Supermodel and I got around to the finalists. And that's when I was kind of immersed when I got scouted there when I was 13. And I remember going to the agency and just kind of looking around and bearing in mind at 13, I was a typical, very slim teenage girl, honestly, probably like a size four max, maybe a two still. And just looking around and then thinking, am I still a little bit bigger than these girls? And then when I went, when I, about two years later, was doing a little fashion show for fashion TV, that's when I was backstage. And again, you're literally stripped down. You're wearing maybe like a tiny nude thong. You're basically naked with tons of people around you, including other models. And I was trying to get the outfit on that had been given to me and I could not get the trousers on. 
And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll try the other option. So I tried to put the dress on and I couldn't get that over my hips either. And so part of me was like, I don't want anyone to see what's going on. But then I'm also like, people need to know that it's not fitting because what are we going to do? And so the stylist just turned around who was kind of dressing the girls for the show and was just like, nothing fits you. What, like, what's wrong with your body? Why is this fat model here? And at that moment, I was just like, I hate, I hate myself. What can I do to change this? Like, why am I this size? What's wrong with me? Why can't I just be skinnier like the other girls? And like I said, at this point, I'm still probably just a size four. Um, and that really hurt and that hurt, but simultaneously motivated me to find any way that I could lose weight, which was not healthy. And at that age, it shouldn't consume you the way it consumed my time and my energy um, and took over my life. Um, and yet it's taking over a lot of young people's lives, which is really, really sad and which is why. I now do what I do because there's so much more to life than size. And that's still being perpetuated, not just within our industry, but because the retail industry does not reflect the size of women. I went shopping last Tuesday with my girlfriends and my one girlfriend, she's about an 18. And it was literally probably, you know, Nordstrom that maybe we went into one shop that she could have worn or brought something in. But all the other beautiful shops that, you know, we we walked into, she couldn't shop there. And it was just this reminder of like, I'm very privileged. I'm on the cusp. I'm like a 12, 14. I can usually fit into most stores. But there are still about 70% of women in the US who are 14 or above that can't. That, and, and it actually just blows my mind when we just break it down like that, that it's still an afterthought. So I think that that's really... There's a lot of experiences in my industry that I've been through, but I still have so much privilege. I still have an able body. I'm still white. I still am able to fit into most clothes. So all of those struggles that I've had, I just knew there was a bigger issue at hand because if I was going through that in the industry, there was just so much that has to change. And so that's really what set everything in motion for me and still continues for me because now physically my body image is represented in the media. But there are still so many people who aren't. So that's why I'm kind of happy to go more behind the scenes and hopefully create the brands that will be able to show that rather than just being a model in an image because I've kind of been there, done that, shown that now this is accepted, you know? Taking a break from today's episode to bring you a word from my sponsors. First up, Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company with meal plans that include paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. I am excitedly starting to travel more now. So when I'm in town, I'm really relying on Green Chef's expert chefs to design flavorful recipes that make staying healthy and eating well uncomplicated and fun. I am dabbling in going plant-based for the next 30 days, and I love how easy they make that with their plant-powered options. Just last week, I made the linguine with basil pesto, and tomorrow night, I'm amped for this, I have their smoky plant-based protein tacos on deck. Seasoned with a paprika blend, a creamy tomato studded chimichurri sauce, crunchy cabbage slaw, and salty cotija cheese. 
Yes, please. Of course, they are offering hurdlers an excellent deal. Head on over to greenchef.com slash 90 hurdle and use code 90 hurdle to get $90 off, including free shipping. Again, that is greenchef.com slash 90 hurdle and use code 90 hurdle to get $90 off and free shipping on your order today. Also want to give some love to my friends at Baron Fig. Studies have shown that journaling is a great way to improve your mental wellness, but sometimes you just don't know where to start. Well, Baron Fig has got you covered. Their line of guided editions is the perfect introduction to journaling, and the rest of what they call their tools for thinkers are super cute, including notebooks, writing instruments, bags, accessories, and so much more. I feel like a total dork by saying this, but I have never been so obsessed with a notebook as I am with their Confidant journal. It lays flat, it feels great, and I feel just more sophisticated having something nice in my hand at my desk. Plus, for every Confidant notebook sold, Baron Fig plants a tree with tens of thousands of trees planted and counting. Of course, I've got an offer for you. Head on over to baronfig.com. That is B-A-R-O-N-F-I-G.com and use code HURDLE20 at checkout to receive 20% off your order today. Again, that is baronfig.com. Use code HURDLE20 at checkout for 20% off. Baron Fig, do your best thinking. So for you... When did you go from saying to yourself, I need to lose weight. This is awful. I am so not okay with this. I want to get jobs. I want to feel quote unquote accepted to being at a place where you were like, this isn't sustainable. This isn't even what I want and becoming more comfortable with perhaps the size that you felt like you were really supposed to be. So I do remember losing weight in an unhealthy manner and booking a few more jobs, but still not being the next Kate Moss, you know? And there were so many compromises that I made and it was so hard for me to be in that battle every day with myself that I remember speaking to a friend and again, I'm talking, these aren't, you would never see these models in magazines or, you know, there's 1% of models, if that, that kind of make it to be known, to be household names or to just be recognized even. But there's a bunch of models who do smaller jobs or they do fittings work that's very behind the scenes. And there's lots of other areas. And I think that what happened was I saw that there was, I, I made friends with models that were really happy kind of just doing fittings work or working for laundry brands and trying on the different bras and maybe shooting a few catalogs. And so I kind of started to see that there was another way to be and you didn't necessarily have to try and attain what was unattainable for you because you just can't do that so I remember speaking to one of them and I was asking her more questions I was like you know how can you be your size and in this industry and da, da, da. And she goes well there is actually something called a plus size industry and it sounds ridiculous that I didn't know it back then but it really wasn't a thing in the UK and she said in the US that there's plus size models and you know, they're larger sizes and they're curvier and they look amazing. And I started kind of checking them out and I was like, wow, I had no idea this existed. So I started to try and research and see if there was any opportunities in the UK. And I went to an agency and she said, oh, but you're too small to do plus size. And I was like, what? And I think at that point, that really just broke the barrier of like, okay, so I've tried to please this one side and I've tried to change and I've invested so much time and energy and 
I was never good enough for that side of the industry. And now you're telling me that I can't do the other. I was like, that's just, it's just not going to work. I'm never going to please anyone. I'm not happy. This doesn't make sense. I was like, I'm not broken. The system is broken. Like I need to fix that and stop trying to fix myself. So I guess it was just that moment. And it was like, this doesn't make sense. You know, it, it really doesn't make sense to me. Um, and so I saw an opportunity. If I was the only model that was in between and I could convince some brands that they needed to book just an in-between model, um, maybe I'd have a niche. And that's literally what happened. I started off in the swimwear and lingerie industry and they would kind of, they would have like a straight size model who was, um, you know, a size two and she'd be like a B cup. And I, like I can literally reel the measurements off in my head. So they'd have like this model and then they'd have their plus size model who's maybe like a G cup and like maybe a size 16. And then I'd go in the middle and I'd be, you know, like a size 10 with a D cup. And um, I really just positioned myself as, as the, the middle girl. And I was just booking, I booked basically every single brand in the UK because there just wasn't anyone of that size. And as consumers started to see the images, they were like, oh, we've never seen someone that size or that, that relates to me or whatever it might be. So as I started to post pictures on social media, sharing my experience, sharing that I've been through body dysmorphia and an eating disorder and come out the other end and had figured out that that was the best thing for me to do that enabled me to break through in the modeling world and just sharing when I think at that point in time in 2012, no models were actually really speaking about personal experiences. They were just posting their beautiful pictures. Um, and I just started using the caption space and the comment section and the DMs to share and to talk about what I'd been through. That was really what then pivoted what I did into being a movement, being a movement for essentially consumers to say, hey, so there's this model talking about this. Like, that's what we want to see. Like, we're backing what she's about. That's what's really cool. I feel like I've turned modeling images from being aspirational to inspirational in the sense of like, I was just sharing my vulnerabilities and sharing what happened to me and it related to people. And then people were like, we want to see relatable. Well, that must have been, I would imagine, a little difficult for you at first, especially with the influx of platforms and communication with all of these individuals that you may not actually know. I mm -hmm. can only imagine that sharing and opening up and getting vulnerable came with a fair share of maybe hurt as well. Yeah, definitely. I think um I think it was really, really hard. And it's it's still hard for me to open up sometimes. And weirdly it can be easier to open up on the internet. Um, because you don't you don't have someone physically there that you have to start kind of talking to immediately. You could post something and then go away and then just kind of pick and choose. But they it lives on there for everyone else to see, you know, and I think even though initially it is weird to have complete strangers start commenting on you, most of them were about physical attributes. And I think what I knew was I've dealt with the, the negative self-taught to myself and the bullying that I did to myself for so many years. There really is nothing that you can say that I haven't said to myself before or hurt myself with. So it's like, I don't know how you're going to do it. I can't create this bulletproof casing because after all the damage I did being mean to myself, there's really not much you can say. So 
I think that's why it didn't hurt me as much. And I, and I knew how to deal with it because I created the toolbox that I'd already had to use to heal myself from my own kind of body dysmorphia and eating disorder. So in that sense, it wasn't so hurtful, but there's definitely been times and I've experienced some severe trolling that, you know, I don't even talk about online because a lot of the people who often do that want the attention and acknowledgement. So yeah, there's definitely times we've had police involved. There's been, you know, stalking incidents. There's a lot of things that can happen online and you do have to protect yourself. And that's why I don't go after being so controversial necessarily. Um, and I try and just, you know, do my thing and just be really happy posting and sharing and sharing my vulnerabilities, but just not giving all of myself away. Like, I think you do have to have a little bit of something for yourself and it's, it's okay to share. You don't have to overshare. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine being in that situation where you actually feel that because you're trying to be vulnerable, because you're actually trying to help someone else that you then in turn are putting yourself in danger. Right. Yeah, you definitely have to protect yourself and have people around you and you have to know when to stop. And I've definitely had times when maybe I just post up a picture without a caption or whatever it might be, which sounds so irrelevant to, to some people and maybe for people listening to this. But what you have to realize that really my whole career has become based online. And so there is a lot of pressure in a sense of, especially since the pandemic, there are no physical shoots really happening as much. And I, like we talked about, I've enjoyed kind of taking a step back and being in a new environment and not needing to show up on set and do X, Y, Z. So now all of our finances, mortgages, all of that kind of is relying on my social media presence, which is something that is scary when it can feel like it's controlled by people's engagement with you which you oh, can't yeah. guarantee. So that's definitely been another mindset, mindset shift, mindset shift, <laughs> mindset shift. That's a good one. Okay, everyone, you can practice that. <laughs> mindset um, shift. Say that five shift. times fast. Can't say it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's definitely been some, some struggles online. Um, but I really just, like I said, I get to the point of just seeing it as such a blessing I will. I I really try hard not to get emotional when I tell the story, but one of the best things that's ever happened is firstly the fact that my Philip, my Philip, my Philip found me on social media five years before he met me, and I guess kind of got to know me, and then weirdly we're met and now we're now together. That's a nice story. But also I was able to leverage my platform to give away and help support two women who are going through IVF and one of them's had her baby and the other one is currently pregnant. Uh, and we're just keeping, you know, in touch with both of them and just knowing that, you know, I helped support them in that journey. If there was, I could have all the hate in the world on social media and it would still be worth it just for that. So there's just so many wonderful things that have come from, from social media that yes, that you might get trolls and maybe there's people reading this who, think that oh it's such a negative place there's so it, it 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 can be try and protect yourself try and block and delete accounts or people that you are just you know doing you a disservice or not making you feel uplifted inspired or educated and try and surround yourself with communities that are positive and it can be a really wonderful place 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think for sure there can be both sides of the coin here. Now, you mentioned the beauty that is being able to give back to these other women. When you start to think about the, uh, let's say, the rise of your career, do you reflect on anyone that you felt like really gave you something that you really needed? That's a really great question. There's just, there's always so many women, right? I, I think there's multiple moments where you, someone comes into your life and it can be one sentence, right? I, one sentence off, off Moj, who was the beauty confounder, was what got you here won't get you there. I love that sentence. That still sticks with me to this very day. Um, I think a huge impact moment was seeing um, models doing TED Talks. You know, I remember Cameron Russell doing her TED Talk, and I was like, whoa, wait, what? Like, people will take you seriously? And, and then just seeing her philanthropic work and just thinking, like, why not? I think um, I always felt limited. And I've been told that in multiple scenarios to kind of be quiet or shoots where photographers didn't bother to un- even learn my name and would just point. And, and you know, you can feel very much like a pawn um, and very undervalued and just kind of um, underappreciated and not valued for your mind, just your physical appearance. So there's a lot of ways I had to break out of that and seeing Cameron up there doing a TED talk was a huge win for me. It was really just seeing someone being vocal and standing up for more than just their physical beauty and talking about their beauty in the way that she did really, really was groundbreaking to me. And then there's also like getting the opportunity to be in the same room as Michelle Obama when she's on stage, just talking and just absorbing her, her power and just thinking she is a, she's such an incredible woman and there are no limitations for any woman to go out there and and do what she does in the sense of she's uplifting. She's using her energy, her being, her spirit to help others in such the most wonderful way. And I don't want anyone to ever think that they can't be powerful because there's just so many examples of women being so powerful. Speaking of female empowerment, when I think about the work that you've done with Ari, I think a lot about this. I know that that was a huge jumping off point in your career. So talk to me a little bit about what being involved with that brand has really meant to you. I always wondered if I would have an opportunity to find an alignment within the industry that truly spoke to me and my mission. And it was really hard. Um, I definitely compromised. I to, to be bigger, I would, I'd wore padding to be more plus size for certain brands. And that always felt horrible. So I stopped doing that. And I got to the place where I think even my agents were kind of thinking, well, I don't, you know, what's out there for you. And it was going to be quite tricky because like I said, there, I found the kind of niche, but the niche was very small. There wasn't that many brands. And as I started to be more vocal, cause that's one thing that that has changed so much in the industry. But at the time, it was risky to be vocal as a model. People wanted you to be a clean slate, a blank slate. They didn't really want you to kind of have or stand up for anything because it then, you know, posed risks because their brand then had to align with whatever you were talking about. And if you're a loose cannon who's firing off that you support this and that and da da da. So um, it was definitely, I. I'm re- obviously really, really glad I did just stick to what I felt right in who, what I stood for and being vocal. But it was tricky because it alienated a heck of a lot of brands. And when I started to talk about retouching, I mean, still to this day, 
we're discussing right now, me and my agents, like what's next and like what brands don't retouch or what brands might be open to not retouching. And the list is very, very Mm. limited, like limited one hand. Um, And so that's really, really tricky. And what Aerie kind of simultaneously did as I was obviously kind of growing my movement is they were just on the lookout for people who were unique and different and finding models who were confident being unairbrushed because that was another thing you know I remember working with a model and she was terrified to shoot with the brand because she thought it was going to ruin you know her aesthetic and the pictures in her book and the campaigns that would be out there and da 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 so you have to also be ready because Aerie is such a, a real brand and that does change your your vision of yourself within the industry so I saw it and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is everything that I'd hoped for that a brand was doing. Like I have to be part of it. And so I remember the casting. It was a video casting, which a lot of castings aren't. And they asked me, what's your favorite part of your body? And my agents were like, oh, you're <laughs> going to say your bum. And um, I was like, no, I've, I've sort of got webbed toes. And it's a bit weird. And it was my best friend who pointed it out. And I was just like, so I, I riffed off about webbed toes and it was just silly and lighthearted, but it was also about like, most people would say that that was weird or freaky and or wouldn't want to admit that. And it's like, why can't we embrace the slightly kooky things about us? So it went down well. And, you know, I had a one day shoot with them and it went great. But I knew that that couldn't be it. Like one day, that was it. Like this brand that is really, really exciting me and I want to help them push what they're trying to do in their mission. And so I really just self-advocated and I went out of my way to visit the stores and buy the brand and shop the brand and wear the brand and get to know it. And, you know, it just kind of really spiraled uh, because they saw how passionate I was. And together, we just started kind of shooting more and posting more and talking. And I was wearing the clothes and I still, you know, I'm wearing airy top and leggings right now. And it was just the perfect kind of union at the perfect time on social media where people were just ready to to be done with the over airbrushed fantasy and illusion of like how a woman should look or act or be and so it just came at the right time empowering each other uplifting each other and yeah it's been seven years and it's just been the most fantastic journey for myself to go on and we've grown so much just seeing where the brand's come through and what I've achieved with them and the place I've gotten to travel and shoot and the people I've got to meet. It's really, really special. And I never imagined I'd have that opportunity and be able to do that. And it just shows. And I just can't tell, you know, wannabe models enough. Like you really have to stay true to you um, because then you will find the brand that aligns with you. Because if I'd stayed you know, in that negative space and not believing in myself and kind of trying to change myself to fit into something, I would never would have aligned with them. And I never would have, you know, just been able to be me and find that success because of that. I love what you said about the web toes. I'm sure there are <laughs> plenty of of women listening to this right now. And maybe it's not the toes, but they're certainly struggling to embrace parts of their body to feel really proud of the different parts of their body for someone that can totally relate to that. You know, what advice do you have to them about coming into their own and, and being proud of what they have to offer? Yeah, I think that it's definitely not a linear to self-love or even just self-acceptance right self-love is like that proclamation that you really you know unabashedly love all parts of you which is 
probably impossible to get to. I think that you will always have something that comes in no matter what season you're in, where it will challenge you, whether it's motherhood or whether it's loss or, or illness or whatever it might be. So it's kind of forming this toolbox that will be filled with things that help you feel better about yourself. So maybe that's affirmations, maybe that's gratitude lists, journaling, a, a mom tribe or a friend tribe that kind of you can do positive self-talk with rather than negative where you pick up things that you don't like about yourself and then everyone joins in oh yeah instead like a a group of people who empower you and make you feel good um cooking maybe it's going out on a walk being around nature like find those things because we all have them maybe it's your favorite cup of coffee or your dog or whatever it might be and if you have to write them all down and just put them in a little jar and pick them out because you deserve to do the things and spend that time and energy looking after yourself to uplift yourself because it's not easy the whole system has been set up to make it really hard to love yourself you've been shown images from as young as you can probably remember of retouched women or a certain type or body type of women and told that that's what, you know, attraction, beauty, uh, success looks like and is. And um, it's really, really tricky to unlearn those things. Our relationship with food can be really, really difficult and triggering. So relearning all those things, it could be like me in your late, late teens, early 20s, when I kind of had to rethink the way I viewed myself, the way I viewed other women, because I used to compare myself all the time, rethinking that it could happen in your seventies. You know, there's still certain things that I have to work on with my mom because just for so many years, she, you know, weight loss was such a celebrated thing in her world, in everything that she was surrounded by. So when she sees someone who loses weight, her initial thing is to celebrate that. And so her having to unlearn that because that could be due to illness or that could be that might not be the person's choice. That's really, really tricky. So it's definitely something you're going to have to dedicate some time on and be intentional about knowing, hey, I know that this journey I'm on with my body, with self might take a while to heal, but I'm deserving of that. And if it's five minutes a day looking in the mirror and giving myself affirmations, I deserve that. Um, And just giving yourself that time because that mindset shift of choosing, if you can, because it's not as easy as just being, oh, I'm going to choose to love myself today. It's, It's definitely not that easy, but choosing to find ways to love yourself, celebrate yourself, appreciate yourself, accept yourself at the minimum. Finding those things every day when you look in that mirror and just be like, you know what? My my skin breaks out a lot, especially postpartum. My skin is breaking out. Is that going to affect how I feel today? Absolutely not. I'm not going to let it hold me back. I'm still going to go outside without makeup. I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to be proud when I'm with my partner because I used to associate breakouts with being unattractive and unappealing, especially to men. Where, where I got that from? society from the media I don't know but I had to unlearn that and it took me a very long time to be okay wearing no makeup around my partner who clearly he's not going to leave me because I've got some spots but in my head you know I thought I was then unattractive those things can spiral but if you start that day off with that mindset of I'm choosing myself and I'm choosing to figure out how I can love myself in the smallest possible way if it's just like these arms are awesome. They let me hug my favorite human beings or whatever it might be. Find those little things and just do that for you. 
you have that choice. That's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Yeah. Now, if I was to go to your Instagram page, like so many people that go to your Instagram page, millions of people, they see a woman who is a body positivity advocate. She's done a lot of this work. She makes this conscious choice to choose joy, to find the silver linings often. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Mm, that's a great question. I definitely see someone who who cares a lot more than people probably even realize. Like I'm caring deep under the surface. Like I care really hard for people and for strangers that I've never met on the internet or people across the other side of the world that might be doing something. It's something I've never been able to switch off. But um, I'm proud of that because it's motivated me to make really great decisions that have helped me help other people. Um, and I feel really good about my contribution. Um, and I feel really excited for the potential of the power that I have to do good. Um, I know that that's limitless. I know that the more energy and passion and purpose I can put behind the things I do, the more good I can do or the more people I can help. So I really see that limitless potential within me. And I try and encourage other people to see that too. So yeah, I'm doing my best to, to harness my power and to encourage other people to tap into their power. And I'm doing it in the way that I love, you know, spending more time at home, being able to have my wonderful baby um, that I'm very grateful for and, you know, really trying to take care of the people around me. Biggest lesson, if you could articulate one so far from your first introduction here to motherhood. Oh, biggest lesson to motherhood. I mean, you know nothing. <laughs> you know nothing. <laughs> you can read all the books, but it is an experience-based learning. That's definitely, it's just like biggest lesson. There's so many, but I think just not not letting the guilt take over the other wonderful, joyful feelings, because there's a lot of guilt for me. Even right now, I've spent kind of the whole afternoon working and, and I've enjoyed our conversation so much. I'm so glad we did it. But, you know, I had that other Zoom call and, you know, I'm only going to have, you know, maybe an hour with my baby before he goes to sleep. For, so it's like, but I can't feel guilt for that because I also spent every single second yesterday with him. And, you know, I do spend a lot of time. So finding that balance of like, I'm being a great mom, but also I do have to still work on things that fuel me um, and help me still have parts of me that are from before, because that's still important to, you know, keep in touch with that. And I'm not only a mother, I can be a mother and I can be a great mother and I can also be all these other things. So I want to encourage moms to, to know that too. Like don't feel guilty for also just having a passion to do xyz like you can still do that and you can still be a fantastic mom right now as you are you have an opportunity to offer the iskra who is going through those intense periods of self-doubt disordered eating earlier in her career wondering if this was even the right thing for her you have an opportunity to offer her a piece of advice looking back on that hurdle moment what do you tell her oh that's a big hurdle moment be kind and have grace and patience with yourself. I thought that everything had to happen immediately and I had to have um, acknowledgement and acceptance immediately from everyone else around me. Um, you don't need that. You need to figure out how you can validate yourself without needing to be validated by others. And you'll be able to do that. And that will feel really great because then you're untouchable. 
You know, you you build up your own value system of who you are and what you bring to the table and all the things that make you you. And that is going to be your support. That's going to be your pillar of just knowing who you are and going through life because there's constantly going to be challenges or things thrown your way. And if you have that as your kind of support system, your value system, not much can can really impact you or affect you. So that's what I would like to say to my younger self. It seems a little bit ominous, 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 (laughs) (laughs) ominous. And it's a bit of a tricky thing to decipher what that means, I guess. But it's really listening to that intuition and figuring out, okay, who am I? Like, what do I, how, like, what is my superpower, right? And just harnessing that and not looking for other people's validation all the time, because that's really, really, it's really, really hard to go through that every day and hope that someone's going to accept you or try and change this to fit in here or da, da, da. Um, And I've been confident in myself always, but I definitely wanted to change aspects of myself to fit into someone else's ideal. And that was just a complete waste of time and energy. And you have so much to give to the world that every time you do that, you kind of just are tying yourself up and you need to just take up space as you are and be proud and be, you know, a big shining bright star that you are. Beautiful. So grateful for your time. So happy that we had the opportunity to do this. Iskra, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all the details. Yes, you can obviously find me on Instagram. That's really my main hub. Um, it's just at Iskra, I-S-K-R-A. Um, that is the same for YouTube. And me and Philip do some fun videos on there. Um, and then you can also find me on this new cool investing app where I share about my investment portfolio and kind of money and wealth. And that is public. So it's hello public on Instagram or just www.public.com forward slash Iskra. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's really the main places that you will find me hiding out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>